Welcome to the podcast. I'm Isaac Carroll, and this is What Do I Know? Now, I know we all go through many seasons in our life. I guess if you had asked my wife, she'd probably tell you that mine seemed to change with my mood. The reason why that is is because as a kid, I tried to treat the way I felt as a superpower, like trying to enhance it to feel things out. You know, if I was in a room, I could feel if there was something going on, something hidden. When I would meet people, I would try to feel feel them out, you know, to feel how they were, if they were aggressive or whether or not they were upset or happy, I'd try to feel them, I'd try to feel them out. And uh, I never knew how much I started relying on this, how much I used it. Until I became a Christian. And then it became a struggle for me because because my salvation and my worth to God has nothing at all to do with how I feel. And I often have to go back back to scripture to remind myself of that. And one of the reasons I love God's word so much is that it tells me that God's promises aren't based on how I feel, but the truth of God's word. I tell you this because the struggle we all face, or we can all face, when we feel isolated from God, and this usually happens through a some some sort of testing period that we all go through, and sometimes we just feel really isolated from the Lord, and we have to go back to God's Word and and remind ourselves that He said He'd never leave us nor forsake us, and that's why His Word's so important, so important to me. Now. Recently, I've, I, I was facing a struggle, a testing period, as you might say. I came across this video where a man, he states rather bluntly, he says, do me and yourself a favor. For the next 90 days, watch your mouth. Don't let anything negative or demeaning cross your lips. Don't gossip. And don't let anybody gossip in front of you. And I thought to myself... Now, here is a worthy commitment. And the word says in Proverbs 18 and 20, we're starting in verse 20, it says, From the fruit of the mouth, a man's belly is filled. And with the harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. Verse 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And Jesus himself said this in Matthew 12 and 36. He said that you will be judged by every careless word we speak. So it was a great idea to watch our mouth. And I decided that I was exactly what I was going to do. I was going to, I was going to go a whole 90 days without ever saying anything negative or confrontational. I wasn't going to gossip or let people gossip around me. I was going to bless people instead of degrade. I was going to lift people up instead of trying to tear people down. To apologize if I was attacked instead of defend myself. If I was going to do this for 90 days straight without ever messing up, then every time that I messed up, I would have to start over. Restart the whole 90 days. So it was important that I that I stay straight. I try to take things of a spiritual nature very seriously. I believe if we're going to sacrifice to God, it should be done with the whole heart. I mean, otherwise it's just a waste. I mean, worse than that, actually, it's uh, it's actually 
dishonoring the Lord, and, and no one wants to do that. So I take it very seriously. And I can honestly tell you, after three weeks, I'm still on day one. And I am almost defeated. Seriously. I didn't think this would be as impossible as it has been for me. And it's brought up a lot of doubts about myself. What kind of Christian am I? I can't even go one day, one day without saying something that breaks my fast. It brings me up the passage of scripture in James 1, verse 24 and 25. For anyone who hears the word but does not carry it out is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. And after observing himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Here I was portraying the same manner and failing at what I had, I had thought would be a simple task of just keeping my mouth shut. I ended up telling a friend and a co-worker about my pledge, mainly because of my frustration with myself. I said, I feel like that joke Ron White made in one of the stand-up comedies that I heard, where he says, I had the right to remain silent, I just didn't have the ability Now, I'm telling you, I was feeling pretty worthless. And like I said, I was having some doubts, not just in my walk, but about my calling. I mean, for who was I to speak God's word? Who was I if I couldn't control my own lips? And then I noticed my prayer life was really starting to struggle. I had a hard time coming up and dealing before the Lord with empty words and broken promises. I know we all sin unintentionally. As humans, I know we do. But I thought it was supposed to be unintentional and not blatant. And I didn't know it was supposed to be repetitive. I thought we were supposed to get better, not worse. I was looking at myself in the mirror and I just didn't like what I was seeing. Or I should say, I didn't like what I felt God was showing me about myself. And this brings me to Sunday morning service. Over a week ago, or right, right out a week ago. Our head pastor had went away on a missions trip and... We had a new discipleship pastor, and he was given a chance to preach for the first time that I, I could remember um, since he'd come on. And so we were going to break from our, our normal study, and he was going to give a special message. Well, you know how wonderful God is, right? I mean, he always seems to put the right message at the right time. And this Sunday morning was mine. And I could feel God nudging me the entire service. And the sermon was called The Battle of Sin. And it was the exact one I had been waging in myself for the last three weeks. I think for all this to really make sense to you, I kind of need to explain myself a lot more. And the only way I can do that is to kind of tell you what goes on in my head. I know that people can look at things a lot in many different ways, right? I mean, well, we, we all see things, but... We can interpret them differently. And we're all subject to that which we would believe. I mean, if you believe something, we're subject to it because what we believe is what we do by faith. So for the next few minutes, I'm not talking to anybody about anything. I'm telling you what's going on in my head, what, what some of the conversations I have with myself and how I, how I interpret scripture and then how I I have to debate with myself on what scripture says. You may not relate at all. If you don't, that's okay. But hopefully somewhere in my struggle, you may find some help 
or it might help you in some form or fashion. I don't know, but I hope it does. I pray it does. Here goes. One of my biggest struggles I face as a Christian is Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And you might say, why the Sermon on the Mount? Well, how does it end in verse 48? It says, be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, I know the more I read the word and the more I come to understand the perfection of God's law, I see that the more I don't live up to it. I have read it and been told many, many times that's where grace comes in. We can find peace with God because of the grace he gives us. And I get that. As it says in Ephesians 2 verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. But what I see in myself is Romans 7 and 15. I do not understand what I do, but what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, that I do. What I'm trying to say is this. I want to do what is right, like not speak anything evil. Not let it be spoken in front of me, but I find that I do speak evil more and more, actually. Not that I'm trying to do it, not that I set out to do it, but that I find that I have done it. And let me let me explain what I'm thinking here. And I know in John, first John two, starting in verse three, it says that it by this we can be sure that we come to know him. Now I think it's important that we highlight the importance of this verse and what it's saying. This verse is saying that we have come to know Christ, truly know Christ, and we know who Christ is. He's the one who saves us. So basically what it's saying is when we're calling ourselves Christian, we're saying that we truly know him. And how do we truly know him? This is how it's it's stating. This we can be sure. That way we don't have to worry about Matthew 7 and 3 where it says, I never knew you. This way we can be sure of our knowing him. Verse 3 again. By this, we can be sure that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. If anyone says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, he is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Now, let that marinate for a moment. It goes on in verse five. But if anyone keeps his word, the love of God has been truly perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. Here comes that important piece of scripture. Whoever claims to abide in him must walk as Jesus walked. This is basically Matthew 5 and 48. Be perfect, for I am perfect. That's what always gets me. When I hear people say, it don't matter what you do, because Jesus died for you. And now we're saved by grace. It causes me to dig in my heels and say, no, 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 no. It does matter what we do. It does. Because this word tells us that it matters. The people who are saved don't do the things that you say it doesn't matter that we do. I find that I want to do what is right in my heart. I do. And I set out to do that. And I hope I set out to do it for the glory of God and not myself. And when I look back and see that I don't, that I don't, that I fail, and that I fail at any attempt that I make to be perfect, I try to find comfort in Romans 7. I do. And how it comes in to explain my failures, that it does give me hope that I truly know Christ. And some might right now, but I know, have, know, I know some have said many times 
to me that I'm not truly living free because I strive. And they say, I fail because I'm just not trusting in the finished work of Jesus. I try to tell them, man, you don't understand how good those words seem to my ears. I would love to believe that it doesn't matter what I do. I mean, it takes all the pressure off me to live a perfect life. It takes all the pressure off me to carry my cross and to live like Jesus lived. But I come back to that passage where it says, or I come back to that thought of how can I be free if I'm bought? Jesus set me free of sin, yes. But how do I consider myself free? Peter, Peter says in two, Second Peter 2, verse 19, that we are all, and that's not all sinners, that all, that's everybody, are slaves to whatever has mastered us. Well, if Christ Jesus bought me and he is my master, then I'm a slave to him, and rightfully so. And he is who I want to be a slave to. I mean, I really wish I wasn't as sinful as I am, that I could be a good slave and do everything he has told me to do without fail. I really do. 2 Corinthians 5 through 7 tells us that we walk by faith. And what does it mean to walk to walk by faith? It means that we believe every word the Bible teaches us and we apply it to our lives with commitment, with obedience, not laying it aside as weight that we are not meant to carry. And Paul says in Philippians 3, 10 through 16, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to him in his death. And so, somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained to it, or have already been made perfect, but I press on, taking hold of. But one thing I do, and I love this part, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. And all of us who are mature should embrace this point of view. And if you think differently about something, God will reveal that to you as well. Nevertheless, we must live up to what we have already attained. And what he is so eloquently saying here is to know, he wants to know Jesus and to conform to him. And if we know Jesus, we got to conform to him. To have a desire to be like Jesus and not like what we used to be like. And we do strive. We strive in our pursuit of what God has called us for. So we may live up to what Christ Jesus has already attained for us in his sacrifice. Now, all this rattle around in my head, it, it, it's a constant argument over obedience versus grace. Someone very close to me, he said this to me the other day. He said, uh, Isaac, you know what the word says. You got to trust in it. And all I can say to him is, yes, that is my struggle. If I was ignorant of the word, then I may have an excuse. But because I claim, I claim that I have some knowledge of the truth, then how can I so completely ignore it? And this is not me saying that I completely understand the word because that would be an outrageous misinterpretation and just not true. What I'm trying to say is that I know how to read and I know what God burdens my heart for about what it says. And I can seriously be wrong about many things, and I probably am. But until I'm convinced of my error and brought into alignment with the truth, then I'm subject to that which I believe. 
I know this to be true by what Paul writes in Romans 14 and 14. Now, I know in this reference, he's talking about food, right? So I'm about food that is clean or unclean. But, but I want you to understand the principle of it. That, that it's, it's the same. I am convinced and fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Now, remember, he's talking about food, not acts. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him, it is unclean. And he says this in 22, keep your belief about such matters between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the one who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. And everything that is not from faith is sin. Now, this last part is what I'm talking about. Everything that is not from faith is sin. And if you believe something is true, then you have to you have to apply that to your life. Otherwise, it becomes sin to you. And it goes to this passage of scripture for me in James 3, starting in verse 1. It says, many of you, my brothers, should not become teachers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man. Able to control his whole body. Well, I teach. And I believe I'm called to teach. So should I not hold myself more accountable to those things on which I teach than to them who I teach it to? And I believe the Bible teaches this as well. I know we are, we're supposed to be brought into the obedience to God. Romans 14 and 10 says, why then do you judge your brother? Or why do you belittle your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. As it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. If I got to give an account of myself, then let me strive to do the best I can. Not abandoning my cross, but picking it up daily and falling after him. And not that I could ever do anything to deserve salvation. But I do so because that's what the Lord has told us to do. Remember the Lord's words when he said in Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say? I don't want people thinking I'm teaching a different gospel than everybody else because that's just not true. Lord knows I was once like everyone else. I taught that there was no law where there was no sin. As it says in Romans 4 and 15. For the absence of law, there can be no judgment. And I thought that, and we know that Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the law. And I was free from it. I was free from the law. And it didn't matter what I did in my body. It didn't matter because there was no law for me to break. And therefore, no sin for me to be judged. Now, that might be hard for some people to hear because it kind of goes against the fundamental understanding of what that we're all sinners. And I, I do get that. But when you're set free from sin, then you're truly free. And when you're free like that, you want everybody else to be free with you the same way you are. Totally at peace with everything because of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. And I do know this feeling. I've understood it and I've been there. And I know the truth of these words. But then I came to Revelations. In a study I did 
for a men's group. And God pointed out something very significant to me. And it kind of opened my eyes. It was in the letters to the seven churches. You know, the same believers as we are. The same ones who were set free just like me. Didn't sound like Jesus was very happy with their belief. How they'd given up their first love. How they didn't do the things they were supposed to. Actually sounded like he was very angry with the teachings that they were given. That's taught that it didn't matter what you did in your flesh when your soul was saved. It smacked very close to the idea of once saved, always saved. And even if you leave the calling of God and go out and live deep in sin, you were saved because no one could steal you out of God's hands. It didn't sound like Jesus was very impressed with this teaching. And it was one that I was now doing to the fullest measure. Let me tell you something. Once you realize that you have put yourself in direct conflict with God because of what you're teaching, it should bring you some very real fear. I know it did me. Now, it seems impossible. I know it. It does. That one who wants to spread the love and peace of, of Christ, that they could somehow be in direct conflict with God just because they were teaching what they thought was right. So I set out to change what I taught. Set out to change what I believed. To even confront such teachings. Now, do I have doubts? Sometimes I'm human. And do sometimes I get persuaded that I'm wrong? Sometimes. But not to the extent that I'm willing to go back. I can't do that. No way can I do that. And sometimes I feel like I should be shouting it all the louder, that I should be confronting it more head on. But then I always challenge myself, how is this, how is this helping new believers? And it says not to be confrontational, to banner over words. I want to call the, the people in darkness into Christ's wonderful light. I want new believers to know the goodness of God. But I want, I want lukewarm Christians. I want them to understand that there's more to, there's more at stake to their salvation than just coming to church. I was saved one time when I was, when I was younger and I know that because I was saved, I'm going to heaven. So I don't have to do anything else. I worry about this. I do. And it may be, it may be absolutely true that you're going to be saved and you're one day going to meet Jesus, but it should scare the hell out of you to think that he might say, I never knew you. Depart from me. I don't want that for you and I don't want it for me. I hope and I pray that my words, that they reach you and it makes you stop and think. How am I living for Christ? Am I living in obedience to him? Or am I living in disobedience because of him? Because of the freedom he gave me. I love you guys. And I pray God guides you in all things. Until next time. Goodbye.